Well, good evening. Good to see our massive crowd here on a Wednesday night. <laughs> the place is packed. Wish you were here with us. <laughs> Glad you're there with us, though, online. You're there on Facebook. You're there on Twitter at HBC Tullahoma. YouTube is Highland Baptist Tullahoma. Uh, so just want to encourage you uh, to make sure to... Uh, check all of those platforms out. We've also got our phone live streaming there. Be sure to uh, heart, to like, to post, uh, to share, all those things. Subscribe, thumbs up, click the notification bell, stand on your head, whatever you have to do. Uh, get people aware that we're on there. Uh, that way they can be able to follow along with us. And hopefully if you're there on our phone live streaming, uh, the phone live streaming has already called you there. Uh, if you need that number to give to somebody and you're watching online, uh, just feel free to call the church office. We'll be glad to get back with you and give you uh, that number. I encourage you to go to the church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, it's under the info tab there that you can download this week's worship bulletin. Uh, so I encourage you to take the time to, to do that. Uh, as well as underneath that tab is also the worship guides for our children's uh, bulletins, one for ages three and up, one for ages seven and up. They go along with our Sunday morning services each Sunday. And so if you need those in person, they're over here in the windowsill. But do feel free to share the links for those. Print them out if you want to also uh, and hand them to others. Uh, it's a great resource and opportunity that you have there just as another outreach uh, to individuals. And then also under that info tab, is where you would normally be able to download uh, the prayer list, uh, but Amy is out this week because she has COVID, and so she will not be here with us, uh, and so we've not had, we, we don't have all the information to be able to upload that uh, to the website. Uh, so uh, it will be eventually uploaded once she comes back in, uh, so be looking for it, but we'll be going through the prayer list tonight so that even if you are at home there and don't have a paper copy, you'll get at least all the names uh, that are on that, and then also don't forget that you can do your online giving while you're there at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click that Give Online tab. Uh, real simple, easy platform there. I encourage you to do that. A lot of people use it. Uh, you can set up those recurring gifts, one-time gifts. You can designate however you need to do that on there, but I encourage you to do that, and you can do that even if you're in person also, or you can put it in the envelope and put it in the offering plate as you come. We've got a lot that we're going to be covering tonight, so I don't want to take any more time. Brother Mike, if you'll come. I think that's probably the first time I've ever seen he, him not be able to do something electronically. But I, I can guarantee you by the next time we meet, he'll know how. Turn your hymnals to 136. Let's sing, Are You Washed in the Blood? It's Pat. Are you 
So we are at our prayer time uh, now. Just know also there, if you're on Facebook, be sure to comment there with any prayer requests that you may have. We'll look at that to make sure if you give us any updates as well as uh, we'll check the very end to make sure if we need to add any at the very end. And that's on Facebook. If you're on YouTube or all the others, you can call us uh, or you can send us an email, hollandbaptistatcafes.net or hollandbaptisttullahoma at gmail.com. Either one of those uh, will work well uh, for us. Uh, we're going to take a look at our prayer list, and so we're going to start with our, our uh, HBC family side and just go down the list. So those of you in person, you have the advantage of having a paper copy uh, with you. And, and so if you're at home there, uh, just want to remind you to be praying for S.W. and Carolyn Stone, uh, for Charles Saunders. He's actually been in services with us uh, for several weeks, but just continue to pray that he continues to improve with his situation. Uh, be in prayer for Sandra Wells. Uh, Jim Hess and his traveling mercies, Andrew Griffin, uh, Vicki Boswell, Wanda Nichols and kidney issues, Belle Royton with her Bell's palsy, and she's doing uh, about as good, I think, as she will improve from that, but she continues to uh, need your prayer for that. Mike Durham, uh, Bill Warren uh, with COPD, Arthur Hargrove uh, with medical issues. He does come in person, but he does have some issues too. 95 years old, <laughs> you're, you can have some issues. Uh, Beverly Daniels, remember her in prayer. Rosalie Moore, uh, do you remember the update? You want to share with that again? Okay. So she had had some sores on her legs. They were a little bit worried about clotting, uh, but just continue to remember her uh, in your prayers. Uh, Bertie Davis, uh, she has good weeks and bad weeks. Uh, Cindy Ingram uh, with medical issues. Brenda Gilbert, uh, her upcoming tests are actually tests that have already happened, but we haven't heard any of the results from those. Remember Gil Williams, uh, he's still healing from his car wreck, but he's got an upcoming uh, surgery tomorrow. 
Okay, so he'll have surgery tomorrow on his ankles. They've taken the wire uh, out of his mouth, uh, but he has very limited use there uh, with that. So continue to keep him in your prayers. Of course, we've already mentioned Amy Jackson uh, with the other issues there, but she also has still her injured ankle. She's having to wear a boot with that, and will have to do that for at least another week or so. Uh, remember Lauren Fultz uh, with her ankle, too. And she's doing good. She got good reports. Uh, I think she goes back in another month or so to see them again, but everything seemed to be well there. Uh, and then also uh, we have Mary Campbell in the nursing home, assisted living uh, at NHC, Peggy Eggleston at Life Care of Tullahoma, and James Johnson at NHC Tullahoma. Uh, and then our friends and family list, we'll just go down that list, Mike Hauser with melanoma. If you have any updates, stop me and, and we'll take care of those as we go through the list. Uh, Katie Jo Bailey uh, with leukemia, she's been having some issues uh, recently and I uh, believe they just recently did uh, surgery on her uh, ankles. I believe that's what we said, wasn't it? Yeah. And so keep her in your prayers. Uh, Wilburn Warren, uh, who is Bill Warren's brother. Uh, Sarah Jernigan uh, with medical issues. Uh, she was in a, in a coma. Uh, she has responded, I believe, the last I heard from Sherry a little bit. So we just praise the Lord for that, but just continue to keep her uh, in your prayers. Uh, Sherry was one of our former CDC uh, teachers. Uh, Randy Tatum, who has cancer, that's Ken Tatum's brother. Uh, Floyd and Sue Prince, who have some health issue, issues. Uh, Myra Patton had given us that one. Amanda Harris, uh, who has breast cancer, that's Mark Smith's niece, and Don Smith, who is his father, uh, who is in hospice, and uh, just continue to pray for him. He s seems to be doing fairly good with the hospice, but keep him in your prayers. Greg Renfro, I have not heard any more update of this is Bell Royton's cousin uh, who was waiting for a kidney transplant. We'll try to get some more information on that one for next week. Uh, Hoyt Farrell, uh, Bobby's brother, uh, things, he got some good news on some of that uh, with him uh, being able to get some extra care and different things. So we just praise the Lord for that, but keep him in your prayers as his will be a long-term uh, situation there. Bar Jay Barbier, who is the youth specialist for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, he has cancer, uh, has gone through a lot of his treatments already, maybe getting close to the end, I believe, of his treatments, but he's been doing well through it, but can keep him in your prayers with it. Uh, Buddy Saunders, who is Charles Saunders' brother with medical issues. Jack Heiss, who is the pastor at Marble Plains Baptist Church. Continue to keep him in your prayers. Uh, Cindy Cruz, who is my cousin, uh, she has liver cancer uh, and is uh, being treated through a hospital down in Atlanta. Um, lives, she lives here in Tennessee also. Uh, remember the people of Ukraine. Uh, Mamie Thompson, who used to be in the nursing home, but she's now in her own apartment. Uh, this is Amy Raymond's mother. Uh, Brenda Brady Holder, who has some eye problems. Uh, Tracy Strobe, uh, who's on dialysis. Vicki Boswell had asked to request for her, as well as Tina Moeller with knee surgery. Uh, Jason and Laura Curtis. Uh, Laura was needing a liver transplant, uh, and uh, there were some things that happened there where she did get that, but then it rejected, and so we just want to keep her in your prayers. Uh, he is the pastor at Liberty Baptist in Winchester and had lost his job with the hospital down there, is working just a little bit with uh, the police department there, but um, has no insurance or coverage there. And our association is helping out uh, through our churches through that. If you are interested in helping, I can get you more information on that. Ryan Bond, who has cancer, Louis Rico, uh, Brian Tate asked us to put him on with medical issues. Rhonda Morris is one of our CDC teachers. Uh, she started her treatments today. She goes for 10 days in a row, so keep her in your prayers. 
they want to they know where everything pretty well is so they're going to aggressively uh, treat her so keep her in your prayers kenny busher uh, who is our next door neighbor uh, he's improved from some of the issues that he has but he still has the the issues with the infection in his hands uh, he no longer has the COVID or any of that but he still he has parkinson's and and all of that on top of it so just continue to keep him uh, in your prayers uh, also uh, as that's been frustrating for him in getting the care he needs. Easton Haley, who is Brian Tate's great nephew, he had spinal surgery a couple of weeks ago. I need to ask Brian about that and get some information from him. Uh, Robert Foglia had a heart attack. This is Bob Foglia's uh, son, so keep them in your prayer. Uh, Margaret Cobble uh, with cancer. This is Imogene's sister-in-law. Uh, she passed away, and so keep that family uh, in your prayers. Uh, Christine Cranford, uh, who has skin cancer from Patricia Durham, that was requested. Our Calgary Mission Partnership, uh, and I mentioned this Sunday, we do have a few more of the guides down here. If you want to be praying for us the rest of this week or, or all through next week while we're in Canada, uh, we'll be leaving this Saturday, coming back the following Saturday myself, uh, Dwayne and Ella Thames from our church, and then about seven others, I believe it is. Uh, from our association. So just pray for travel safety there and back. Uh, we've got some cushion on the front end with travel delays if that happens, but it's on the back end that we don't have any cushion there. So we're supposed to come in next Saturday about 9 o'clock in the evening. But if we get delayed or canceled, it'll be way in the morning or the next day, which was Sunday, of course. <laughs> so Matt is on standby to preach for me on that Sunday. Nathan Dorrell will be preaching for me this Sunday, and so I encourage you to come uh, and hear him and support him. Pray for protection for us, good weather. Uh, our ministries that we're going to be doing is a kids' camp that's going to be outside. Uh, at a community center. We won't have access to the inside of the community center except for us uh, for bathrooms. Um, but we'll be doing kind of like a backyard Bible club, VBS type setting uh, with the kids. One of the days we'll be going in a community uh, that I was able to visit a few years ago when I was up there uh, that is a, used to be just nothing but fields. Uh, and within three years, it was just a small little community. It exploded over 30,000. Uh, in this community and and so we're going to be helping hope church uh, there to hand out some flyers for a kids camp that's going to be going on the week after we come back and so that's one of the things we'll be doing and then every morning after that we'll be doing uh, the kids camp that we'll be doing we'll be working with two churches for ours uh, a nigerian church and a congolese church both african uh, churches you would think canada yes <laughs> there's a lot of international uh, people who have moved to Canada. Uh, there's uh, a heavy population in Canada, in Alberta, even of Koreans. Uh, there's a lot of different nationalities that are there. Jobs are what is bringing them there. Alberta has exploded all over uh, from Edmonston in the north to Calgary in the south with all kinds of, of jobs. Uh, it used to be a cattle uh, town, Calgary did. It became more of an oil town, and now it's in the process of becoming more tech, uh, technology stuff. And so uh, just keep us in your prayers. Uh, the weather's supposed to be great, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, in the mid-70s for the highs, the 50s for the lows, so I'll be enjoying that. Sorry about the heat y'all have back here. <laughs> 
uh, pray that uh, we'll be in unity as we work together also, uh, that those will be ministering to their hearts will be prepared uh, as well as our hearts, and that the Lord will raise up uh, laborers to follow after us. So I encourage you to pick up one of those guides and use it in prayer for us on this Calgary Mission Partnership trip. Uh, David Kohler is uh, Matt's dad. He has some kidney stones, so we want to keep him in our prayers. I think things are going better there with that, but just want to continue to uplift him. Uh, our granddaughter, Audrey, uh, broke her wrist. She's still got another week and a half to wear her cast, uh, but she's enjoying it because it's a waterproof cast, and they told her she has to get it wet every day. Uh, that's to keep all, anything from building up in there, any bacteria or whatever, so she loves it. She gets to go to the pool every day. <laughs> so uh, she's enjoying that, but that's just mainly to keep it uh, from moving there. Uh, but she'll do that for another week and a half, and then two weeks after that, she'll wear a splint. Also, And then we've also added uh, two others, Stuart Copeland uh, with COVID. That's a relative there of Brian's, so we want to remember that also. But then Angela Miller, uh, that is Belle Royton's uh, daughter. She had, uh, Belle termed it a hot appendix, which we assume mm -hmm. that was meant that it was about to rupture. Uh, and they had to remove her appendix yesterday here at Harton. Uh, she is out of the hospital, uh, is uh, down at the Belvedere area where they're staying with uh, her husband's family. Uh, as they're waiting on their house to be built. And then one we forgot to add to the list that was given to us last week and it was mentioned again uh, in a text that was sent to me earlier um, is to remember um, Leanne Wells, uh, grandmother Mary Wells. She is still at Vanderbilt uh, with a brain bleed and so she asked to still keep her uh, in your prayers. And then I did not notice him on the list. We did not get Paco on here for some reason. <laughs> so uh, remember Paco, Stephen, um, remember him in your prayers. Uh, Leah sent me this message uh, earlier uh, this afternoon. Uh, she said that they are seeing prayers answered, pain is minimal, wounds are healing, uh, no wound care today as they will leave the dressings and bandages in place from surgery until tomorrow, that will be Thursday. Uh, he has some staples holding the false skin in place until the new skin can grow to hold it in place. And then Thursday, the surgeon will open up his bandages in the room. If all looks well, they're going to teach her how to do the wound care and discharge him and transition him to care with Vanderbilt outpatient uh, on Monday. So uh, she said God is good and appreciates all the prayers and the love and support uh, from everyone uh, for them. So uh, remember that. To, um, Remember Leah and Paco and uh, their Stephen in their situation that they're all going through. Any others? Okay, and so we're adding Linda Ray to the prayer list. She's got some uh, surgeries that she needs to have, but it's been frustrating to get those uh, scheduled. And so uh, this is from Pat Williams. So remember Linda Ray in your prayers. Anybody else? Yeah. That's what she told me also. She t told me she wouldn't be here tonight. Um, she just felt really tired even today. Yeah, so taking it easy. So do remember her, Miss Imogene. Yeah. 
Anybody else? I don't see any on Facebook there. So, All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer then. We've got a lot of ground to cover uh, tonight. Um, let me just mention, you may know a few of the people that are going with us. Uh, we do have on the bottom of that prayer list some of those individuals. So uh, Josh and Joanne, uh, Jonan uh, Hammer from First Baptist Estill Springs, Herb, Tester, Herb Hester, who is at Tracy City, uh, Ellie Nesman, uh, and Ralph Patterson, who are at First Baptist Tullahoma, uh, myself, Dwayne, and Ella from here, John Michael Peck, who is from Victory uh, Baptist over at Manchester, and then Mark and Linda Puckett from our association. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, as we come before you in prayer tonight, we know, God, that you are present with us, and we don't deserve, Lord, even to be in your presence, much less to come before your throne of grace to request anything. Uh, Lord, we know that we are sinful creatures and that sin uh, enters our thoughts. Maybe it enters our actions or maybe even through our inactions of things we should have done that we didn't do, that we have disobeyed you and what you've commanded us to do. So, Father, we just want to first of all come and, and, and acknowledge who you are, that you are the almighty, all-powerful, living God who loves us and who cares for us, who created us for a relationship with yourself. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. You are a loving God, but you are a holy and a righteous God also. And in the presence of your holiness, our sin stands in stark contrast to who you are. And so, Father, we come before you to ask you to forgive us of our sins. We don't want anything to hinder our prayers on behalf of others as well as uh, just coming before you to praise your name. And so we ask for the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ that washes away our sins to cleanse us tonight. Father, you've told us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So whatever unrighteousness is within us, bring it into the light of your truth uh, that we may confess it before you. Lord, we know that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that there is no way to us to come to the Father but by you. And so, Father, I pray uh, that you would uh, help us to understand that and to, to live in that truth, uh, that we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We are coming on behalf of the righteousness that he has granted to us uh, through his blood and through his sacrifice and through his resurrected body. And, Father, we just want to ask that uh, as we intercede on behalf of each one of these individuals, we've read their names, you know their situations, you know the intricacies and the details uh, more than, than we ever could. And so we just ask, Lord, as we uplift them all into your hands, as we uplift our missionaries, as we uplift our mission trip that's coming up, as we uplift our youth who are uh, meeting at Grace tonight, uh, as we uplift all of these who have uh, many physical ailments and other issues, uh, Lord, we just pray for your divine intervention in each one of these individuals and their lives. Lord, we pray that you will make yourself known to them, show your power and your glory and your grace in a powerful way. And Lord, we pray that you will uh, bring about that healing and may we testify uh, of what you are doing and what you have already done in each and every one of these. Lord, there are others who we know that we have removed from the prayer list because you have answered those prayers, and we give you the glory and the honor for doing that. So we just expect that you look forward to what you're going to do in each and every one of these individuals. Shower them with your grace, for your grace is sufficient for all of our needs. Uh, give them your mercy. And give them your shower them with your loving kindness, uh, but Father, direct them in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake, that you might use what they're going through 
to bring glory to your name and to bring good into their lives. Lord, we pray uh, tonight as we uh, learn about our, our Southern Baptist Convention, as we learn more about the book of Revelation, I pray, God, that you will speak to us in, your, in the truth of your word to help us, Lord, to, to be able to be more faithful uh, in, our, in our following of you and, and the calling you placed on our lives uh, to salvation and to service. And Father, I pray that as we look at this section, even in the book of Revelation, may there be a blessing for us in the reading of it and the hearing of it, but especially in the keeping of what we'll see uh, in this remainder of chapter 12 tonight. So bless us tonight as we study your word. Uh, help us, Lord, to come into your presence and to hear you speaking to us in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, to begin with, we're not going to turn in your Bibles. You can, if you want to, to go ahead and turn to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 12. We'll get there uh, eventually. Uh, but I wanted to share with you tonight, I've had several that have asked me different things from time to time and, and wanted to take just a little while uh, here tonight to share with you some of the things from the Southern Baptist Convention. I shared uh, last year from our Southern Baptist Convention one of the things that I highlighted, and it's still the same issues that you see uh, this year. Many times you'll see headlines, news articles, you'll sometimes see individuals who do blog posts or, or do, who do video blogs, and, and there'll be some eye-catching, grabbing headline. Uh, and, and we'll talk about some of that in just a minute. But uh, what I want you to know is, is the Southern Baptist Convention isn't closing the doors. We're not, uh, we're not uh, splitting uh, or anything like that. Uh, every year there are resolutions that we bring uh, to the floor of the convention. Uh, the resolutions committee uh, will look at those. Usually they're presented uh, about 60 days, I believe it is, before the actual convention meetings. Uh, and uh, that committee looks over them. Sometimes some of those resolutions are very similar, so they combine them uh, into one. Uh, and sometimes uh, individuals get a little upset with that. They think that, well, you slighted me. You looked over my resolution. No, we just combined it into one that spoke to the whole uh, of the issue that you wanted to address. There are other times that the committee decides that's not an, we've already spoken on that multiple times or it's not an issue that we want to bring uh, right now at this time uh, because we've already spoken about it before uh, and individuals can then bring it back to the floor. Uh, this is probably the biggest part of the business that we do. There are motions that are made at the convention, but most of those go to committees. Uh, and, and then those committees will bring those back at the next year's uh, convention if there's any issues. And, and so I just wanted to bring to you tonight those resolutions and then one other issue uh, that came up at our convention. Uh, it actually began last year, and that's where some of those go to committees. Uh, so I wanted to bring those resolutions to you, and first to just talk about what a resolution is at the SBC level. A resolution from the Southern Baptist Convention level, because all of our Southern Baptist churches are autonomous, we're not controlled by the Southern Baptist Convention at the national leadership, we're not controlled by the Tennessee Baptist Convention at the state leadership, we're not controlled by the Duck River Baptist Association at the associational leadership, we are our own, basically, independent Baptist church that chooses to cooperate with other churches of like mind and like faith uh, to do the work of missions around the nation and around the world. And so a resolution is a non-binding statement that expresses what really is the collective will of the messengers that are present at that meeting. So even if a resolution is passed unanimously, nobody and no entity is required to abide by anything in it. 
because an adopted resolution is just affirmed by the majority of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's just an indicator of what the messengers were thinking uh, that year about a given topic. It's also a statement about that, that the SBC leaders can use throughout the year when we're not meeting, because we only meet once a year, uh, to, uh, to be able to use that when they're talking to uh, the, the news media or anything. They can, for instance, say if they're asked about what the SBC thinks about abortion, uh, they can point to past resolutions uh, as an example of what we have said we believe about abortion uh, because that's not in our uh, Baptist faith and message uh, specifically. Uh, if you will. And, and so kind of how it works with the uh, Committee on Resolutions is the SBC president that appoints the people to the Committee on Resolutions. They're then uh, voted on uh, by the executive board uh, of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, the Southern, ba Southern Baptist can submit resolutions to this committee uh, before the meeting, as I said, about 60 days before, I believe it is. Uh, in the days ahead, they review that. Uh, they have the power to edit, to combine, to craft the resolutions. Many times they call the authors of those resolutions. Sometimes they'll even have them come uh, to Nashville for a meeting uh, to, to make sure they're understanding what this individual, or they'll do a Zoom meeting uh, to make sure they're understanding what this person meant, maybe in a specific part of the resolution. Uh, <clears throat> during the two parts, there's usually two parts that are presented at the convention meeting. Uh, the committee will make motions to adopt resolutions. The people from the floor, the messengers, can choose to um, uh, add on to it, take away from it, whatever we want to do in amending it. Uh, and if it passes, then you amend it, then you pass the whole resolution or, or reject the whole resolution. Uh, and so uh, if, a com if the committee decides not to present a particular issue to the convention that's been presented to them, uh, the messengers can vote to bring it out of committee. And, and to bring it to the floor to be voted on. It's really difficult in the meeting time itself to edit and change because there's time limits on how long we can uh, speak at a microphone. There's time limits for the specific aspects of it. So uh, it's, that's one of the reasons it's important that we're uh, electing individuals who are uh, conservative, faithful to the word of God as presidents because they are gonna be the primary person who's gonna be uh, nominating those persons for those committees. So here is the first resolution uh, that was passed uh, at our convention, and I won't give you every whereas and resolve, but just to give you the kind of overall uh, of each one of these. The first one is called On the Mission Field in Rural America. Uh, this resolution states that because over 75% of all towns and cities in the United States are small, non-urban communities of no more than 25,000 people and approximately 19% or 60 million people of the population in the United States resides in those rural areas because rural church pastors many times face uh, isolation, loneliness, uh, lacking ministry partnerships and resources. We have resolved as the convention passing this resolution to express our commitment to and the recognition of the mission field uh, in rural places to support the cooperative program work of sharing the gospel in those places, encouraging those churches coming alongside of them, uh, stating our support for them and encouraging and celebrating the work of the North American Mission Board, giving our time, our, our money and our, our talents and our lives to the furtherance of God's uh, gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in those areas. Uh, the reason that resolution even came to the floor is because many times uh, small churches feel 
neglected uh, in our convention. Sometimes it feels like it's all about the big churches and not about the small churches. And so this was a way to make a statement that we do care about the, the smaller churches. We do care about the rural churches and especially those leaders uh, of those churches. I don't know if you've ever been out in the Midwest uh, very often, but you can see how things are spread out so far uh, there. And a pastor who's pastoring a church there could have a huge area, multiple counties even, uh, that their church is covering to, to reach out to share the gospel with people. So it can be very isolated. It can be very lonely and discouraging. And so we want to encourage those pastors and walk alongside them and recognize that. A second resolution was on the prosperity gospel. And you know about, if you know anything about the prosperity gospel, the health, wealth, prosperity gospel, uh, this resolution stated that we denounce that teaching. We've denounced that teaching in prior resolutions also, but someone wanted to make sure we took a stand on that again because it seems to raise up a little bit more uh, from time to time. Uh, we affirm that God and God alone is our highest good and supreme treasure, uh, not the health, wealth, and, and, and removal of sickness. Uh, we affirm that our confidence is in our eternal inheritance that's been purchased through the work of Jesus Christ and is guaranteed in the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. We know that even as a believer, we're going to suffer. There's going to be difficulties. We're reading here in Revelation. Uh, of things that people are going to suffer. Even as you read in the New Testament, the church suffered. So uh, we denounce that teaching uh, of the pro prosperity gospel as we have done in the past. And it was just another statement where we are at that moment, at that time in Anaheim, to stand against that. A third resolution was on the war in Ukraine. And we strongly condemn the actions of the Russian uh, Federation and her declaration, the acts of war against the sovereign nation of, of Ukraine, uh, even calling upon President Vladimir Putin to cease hostilities, withdraw uh, military, and, and end this war of aggression. Is, is he going to listen to Southern Baptists? Probably not. But it's our statement about what we stand and support uh, the people there of Ukraine. Uh, we commend and appreciate them. Uh, and, and we have a lot of work that goes on there. It is probably the farthest eastern in Europe uh, that we have the greatest work in our international missions work there in Europe there. Uh, there's a strong, very strong seminary program that goes on in Ukraine and training up leaders there. Some of those have gone back into Russia uh, to share the gospel. Uh, Ken Tatum has shared before uh, some of what the group had gone before and experienced there. Uh, we encouraged to pray for the Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary uh, and those like-minded institutions, those brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who are suffering, and also to pray for the brothers and sisters in Christ who are in Russia also, who are part of that. Um, even though their leaders are, are taking actions that we stand against, we pray for those individuals and those families and the churches that are in Russia also and to continue to pray for them and to support them in whatever ways that we can. And that's essentially what that, uh, that resolution was about. We passed another resolution on religious liberty, uh, forced conversion, and the Federal Indian Boarding School Initiative investigative report. Uh, I had not heard of this prior uh, to the convention, but it was to encourage Southern Baptists to decry the methods of forced assimilation and conversion, as well as the dehumanization of fellow image bearers. Uh, it was to affirm that Southern Baptists stand in support of Native Americans, Alaskan Natives, Native Hawaiians, especially those who are a part of our own family of churches as they process the findings of this report.
support that was done from the federal uh, level um, from our government uh, in, in discerning the next steps uh, toward healing. Uh, affirming Southern Baptists earnestly praying for those families who were targeted uh, by the atrocities brought to light uh, in this investigation and condemn any federal government's policy, former or current, to replace the tribal culture for its own in an effort to ease the intent to separate tribes from their territories. And that was the essence of that resolution and uh, was well received uh, by our convention. Uh, the next resolution was on the support for consistent laws regarding pastoral sexual abuse. Uh, and this has come out of, if you've followed anything with the Southern Baptists over the last few years, uh, with the investigative report that's been going on, uh, this came out of that uh, because there are inconsistencies in the law when it comes from the federal level or even the state levels uh, because in one state uh, a, a pastor uh, would maybe not be held as accountable in another state uh, and so it's encouraging lawmakers in every state to pass laws that would provide consistent definitions and classifications of sexual abuse uh, by pastors and those in the ministry uh, to and that it would be seen by the federal authorities and, and even state authorities as, as constituting a clear abuse of, of authority and trust. Uh, that is not always the case. As a pastor, uh, you, play, uh, you place me in a position of authority and trust, and if I abuse that, uh, then I should be held accountable for that. That's not the way it happens in every state. Uh, it, it's, uh, what it's doing, what we're doing is encouraging that to happen in states, that it would be uh, more in line with uh, professional settings um, uh, like like lawyers or or doctors or any other kind of individuals like that who have been placed in in a position of, of authority uh, and trust uh, and so uh, that's what that was to encourage uh, and to affirm that while in this world we face those temporal consequences of our sin uh, such as disqualification we acknowledge uh, we joyfully acknowledge that there is no sin that cannot be forgiven and no person that cannot be restored to Christ, but there needs to be consequences for things uh, that we do. Uh, a third, uh, another one that we, mentioned, that we mentioned here is on the lament and repentance for sexual abuse. Uh, this is to denounce in the strongest possible terms every instance of sexual abuse, uh, those who perpetrate abuse, those who seek to defend and protect these uh, perpetrators. Uh, and this also came out of the investigation also. Uh, you'll hear in the investigation a term called the executive committee. Uh, from everything we've seen so far, even through the investigations, there was no sexual abuse through the executive committee itself. You have a, an entity called the executive committee that are paid staff people. There was nothing in those individuals. There is an executive committee that is uh, people who are like trustees who are elected from the states, uh, from our churches. Uh, to represent our, our churches uh, in the interim time that we're not meeting uh, publicly, or meeting in our once a year uh, meetings, and they take care of the business in between. Uh, there was nothing in those areas of an individual who committed an act of sexual abuse. The issues that came uh, out of it was where uh, we, as, as we said in the beginning, we are autonomous churches. Uh, there is confusion there on what their responsibility was from the executive committee. When someone reported something to them of sexual abuse that happened in a local church back somewhere, which they have no authority over. They can't tell that church what to do. They can't tell that church 
you know, how to handle their business. And so there was uh, confusion there on both parts on how to handle those issues. The local churches were handling those issues in the, for the most part. Uh, some of those brushed those over uh, as insignificant incidents uh, that happened. Uh, sometimes giving more attention to the abuser than they did to the one who was abused. And so this resolution was to publicly repent and acknowledge our need for for change uh, in our churches, to affirm uh, that we have failed in in areas like that, and to prayerfully endeavor to eliminate all instances of sexual abuse, to commit to, to supporting those who have been abused, and to provide better resources to our churches Uh, on how to handle those issues. I just praise the Lord for what we do here. Uh, We do a lot of things to mitigate that on the front end. Uh, You have to be a member of our church for six months before you can work with children. Uh, You have to go through a ministry safe program that that teaches you about things to look for with abuse uh, and everybody's eyes are open about things. Uh, Every person has to go through a background check uh, we do a lot more than a lot of our churches do. Uh, if you look at our church, our convention, which we'll talk about this a little bit in a minute too, there's over 40,000 churches, and the vast majority of those churches are small churches. Uh, they don't have the resources to do what we do here. Uh, and so it's, some of this is looking at what can we do from the convention level, the state level, and the associational level without encroaching on the autonomy of the local church, but to be able to provide resources to help those churches deal swiftly uh, with those acts of abuse sooner rather than later and how to handle those things and to be proactive rather than reactive uh, to the things. Uh, Another one was on the anticipation of a historic moment in the pro-life movement, which we know uh, that happened uh, with our Supreme Court with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Uh, and commending the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission uh, on their efforts and what they participated and played in that part, uh, and yet committing also to stand by uh, and pray for abortion vulnerable women, uh, to eliminate any perceived need for the horror of abortion, uh, to oppose Planned Parenthood and other predatory organizations and institutions uh, who exploit vulnerable women, to urge the Supreme Court to overturn, which that did uh, happen, uh, and, but yet also to be there to walk alongside those ladies and those individuals who are, who are going through that, to support more uh, pregnancy support centers, which we do as a church. We uh, support our local pregnancy support center here, uh, and then also uh, supporting foster care programs and adoptive families and helping uh, those women to have those children if they so feel the need to uh, place them in adoption or in the foster care uh, system. Uh, and then another resolution was on the Imago Day uh, and helpful content submitted in several resolutions. This was to encourage all Southern Baptists to affirm the dignity and value of every person as created in the image of God, while at the same time we stand against uh, lesbianism, gay, uh, bisexual, transgender, uh, the queer plus movement, and other sexual perversions, including abuse and per- pedophile behavior and the use of pornography and all of all of those things and calling yet on us to seek to love those individuals that we we stand against the sin but we love the sinner and that's the essential uh, part of that 
resolution uh, there. The other issue that came up that probably got more of the news coverage, and if you want to read all the details, there's an 18-page uh, paper here, packet I'll give you if you want to read all, read all the details of every one of those resolutions. Uh, but uh, the bigger issue that came up as far as any kind of controversy in the media, it came up back in 2000 when we passed that resolution or passed that part of our Baptist faith and message is on women pastors uh, in the SBC. Back in 2000, uh, when, when, the, uh, when it was added to the Baptist faith and message back then, there were fewer than one-tenth of one percent of our 4,141,099 Southern Baptist churches that had a woman serving as a senior pastor, uh, according to a Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary study. Uh, messengers to <clears throat> that convention uh, revised the denomination's statement of beliefs to specify a, a conviction that the office of pastor is to be held by a male. So in reality, that is the practice of 99.92% of the local congregations back then. Uh, those statistics have not changed for the worse. They've actually only gotten uh, better as far as the, the uh, senior pastor position goes. Uh, but there are headlines that read, I read this one earlier today that said, alert SBC credentials committee, okay with women pastors. <laughs> that was not true. Uh, but from their perspective, that's what they uh, saw things as. Uh, one of the comments they made in it even was that the credentials committee shows just how out of touch the SBC elites are with the rank-and-file members of the Southern Baptist Convention. Well, if you know anything about our polity, it's rank-and-file Southern Baptist Convention people who serve on these committees. They're not the elite uh, of our convention. So uh, there are people from all walks, all different kinds of churches, all different kinds of ethnics, uh, different nationalities, uh, different places uh, across our nation that are serving uh, on each one of these uh, committees. Uh, and so it went on to say in some of the things that I read that I wanted to share with you, a discussion, uh, this is one of the reports that came out that said a discussion evolving around the role of women in ministry, uh, the parameters of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 statement, uh, they said, this is the way they put it, erupted in volcanic fashion in the Southern Baptist Convention. You've got to use all these words to get people to read your article, just like the mainstream media and news. Uh, and it was a, a full-blown controversy, though, with Rick Warren's church, Saddleback Community Church, uh, there in California. Uh, this was actually brought up at last year's convention here in Nashville. Uh, it was then referred to the Credentials Committee. That's where those type things go to, uh, to your committees that are responsible for those things. And, and they, it was asked there if they would uh, look at and um, whether to disfellowship that church uh, because uh, of the, that back in 2019, I believe it's 20, 21, in 21, uh, early 21, they ordained three women pastors. Uh, they are not the senior pastor. And so I'll go on to explain some of that uh, in just a moment too. But this year's convention, it was asked, uh, they, the credentials committee brought it back to the convention floor and said, that they basically wanted some clarification on the Baptist faith and message uh, because they said while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor, we understand, is limited to men as qualified by scripture. Uh, it is a settled conviction and largely agreement by consensus in the SBC life that the role of the office of the pastor is limited to men. But the question for that was, is that senior pastor or does that go for every position that you label as 
pastor, music pastor, youth pastor, children's pastor, whatever. Uh, and so that's basically what the question uh, comes down to. Is that phrase inclusive of any person on a church, SBC church staff, uh, who may have the word pastor included in their job title? Uh, women's pastor, children's pastor, uh, young adult pastor. Uh, and, and so is it compliant with our statement of faith that the word pastor in a job title by solely an exclusive reserve for males on a church staff or can a female on staff who is gifted by God's spirit serve a local church in their area of giftedness also assume that title like a worship pastor, even a spiritual transformation pastor, teaching pastor, whatever. Uh, and, and so it gets down to two things is, is the Baptist faith and message 2000 violated if a female on a church staff has the word pastor in her job title, and this was not a question that was asked directly of the committee, but it goes along with it, is that if a female fulfills the role of the preacher in a co-ed worship context, so for instance, uh, we have a service here, and, and there's a woman speaker who comes and speaks for the message here, is that considered preaching? And if that's considered preaching, is she fulfilling the role of the pastor? And if, this, if so, is that violating Article 6 that says the office of the pastor is limited to men? Some say that to a sizable extent, a segment of the SBC answers to those two questions aren't made clear uh, in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. And that was evidenced by the committee bringing back and saying, we want you as the convention to tell us, but let's put together a study group to, to determine the clarification of this. Um, but then also uh, Rick Warren himself was there at our convention. He spoke uh, for a few moments uh, for, his, for his part in, in all this. Um, they, as you see on the picture, did ordain three women. These three women have been serving in their church for 15, maybe even close to 20 years now. Uh, they, their church, he has uh, retired from their church, and in that retirement process, the new leadership had decided uh, that they would uh, they wanted to ordain these women as pastors in their respective uh, positions. Uh, and so that all came about because of what happened in 2021. Uh, it, it is a common practice for Southern Baptists to commission women to serve as missionaries around the globe. Uh, Lottie Moon admitted to preaching to men on foreign soil. Women often function as church planners and in key support roles to church planners, as did Lydia uh, to the Apostle Paul in Acts 16. Uh, Rick Warren uh, did ordain these women uh, while he was still in that transition period there to those specific roles uh, of giftedness, but it is also under the oversight of the 12 male elders that they have at, that, at their church and the male senior pastor. So all of those positions are male. So these individuals aren't on their elder uh, board. They don't make those specific decisions. And so that might put them in a different uh, look or light. And so he is the lead pastor there. And so members of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 committee have been on record as stating that the phrase the office of pastor in the document refers to senior pastor. Uh, many Southern Baptist churches have women on staff who are, if you want to put that label pastors on them, I would prefer not to myself, uh, but they, they don't fulfill that role of the senior pastor position. Uh, it's worth noting that various reports and records exist 
uh, that indicate the Baptist Faith and Message Revision Committee intended for it to be senior pastor uh, only. Uh, and, and as Southern Baptists, we have as central to who we are, our cooperative work, our doctrinal statements. Uh, Adam Greenway, uh, who is the president of Southwestern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, made this statement. He said, in Baptist tradition in general, the Southern Baptist Convention in particular, confessions of faith historically have been given for the purpose of articulating the essentials uh, of our beliefs, of our de denominational distinctives, but with the intention to bring as many possible together under the tent of cooperation and mission rather than the goal to exclude as many uh, as possible. And so he went on to say that, uh, that some feel that we are at a juncture of deciding, do we want to spend endless energy finding new ways to divide ourselves uh, by seeking to disfellowship every congregation that doesn't march lock and step with every jot and tittle of the Baptist faith and message, or will we channel our best efforts to make sure that these churches have faith and practice that closely identifies with what we state in our Baptist faith and message for the purpose of reaching our world. So when the Credentials Committee recommended uh, the creation of this presidential task force for the purpose of reporting back at next year's convention, immediately it was a, individuals were totally against that, there was backlash against that. Some members thought that it was a bad idea even that the very notion of a task force to help clarify the doctrinal statement uh, somehow dispelled disaster for our Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, but that has happened many times throughout the years uh, of study committees to, to come together to give more clarity to our understanding and beliefs. But this June in Anaheim, uh, arguments were made against the Credentials uh, Committee Task Force recommendation. Uh, and, and so, um, in fairness, the, the number of SBC congregations who in the year 2000 used the title of pastor for ministry staff people uh, besides the primary leader of the church, uh, it pales in comparison to today's statistics. Uh, for most of the 20th century, the typical Southern Baptist church had an ordained pastor who preached, who was the pastor, uh, and, and any other staff uh, were, were titled something other than pastor. And that's where we have some of that from holdover, like minister of education or minister of youth or song leader or children's director. Today, those same positions are many times being referred to as discipleship pastor, worship pastor, next generation uh, pastor, uh, sometimes without regard either to gender or ordination uh, status. And so that's kind of some of what happened uh, with that. Um, <clears throat> I don't affirm women uh, serving as the pastor, uh, that is the primary office that leads the church, uh, but women are gifted by God to serve uh, in many areas uh, within the church also. And, and so while significant the discussion stemming from Saddleback's decision regarding women serving as non-senior pastors vis-a-vis -vis the Baptist faith and message reveals really a more fundamental question that has to be addressed. What does it mean to be a Southern Baptist uh, and to deem a local church to be uh, not in friendly cooperation with the convention. And so that's some of the question that'll have to be addressed in, in the time uh, ahead. But um, there are many things that we already stand against that disqualify church, homosexual behavior, sexual abuse, ethnic discrimination. Uh, those are very clearly sinful, very wrong things, not just merely wrong, but sinful things that we've already taken a stance against. Uh, but uh, just to know that that's the issues uh, that happen. Uh, he is no longer uh, there as their pastor even uh, now, and that's where you see, you'll see some of the news reports. Uh, 
uh, on some of that. If you have any questions, I'll be glad to talk to you about some of that uh, later. Um, so this goes back to my title of my last Wednesday night message, What's All the Fuss About? <laughs> What's All the Fuss About? Well, that's what we're looking at here in, in Revelation 12. Uh, we're just going to pick up, and, and since I've only got about five minutes left here, we're going to pick up right there with verse 12. Uh, looking at the strong warning. That's where we left off. We finished verse 11. Uh, last time we saw the victory of the blood of the Lamb of, of, of God. Uh, and now we come to this strong warning that comes in verse, tw- excuse me, in verse 12. It says, Therefore rejoice, all heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, all earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that this time is short. So the result of this war is worship in heaven, but woe on earth. Uh, Whenever God pronounces a woe or a judgment or wrath is coming, uh, it's a woe. Well, this is the third woe, which is more severe than the other two that's going to come primarily on Israel and then upon the believers. But here's the kicker for this one. Understand that this isn't the wrath of God that's being poured out on Israel This is the wrath of the devil. We talked about that a little bit before last time about Satan. He's now like a caged lion. Uh, He no longer has access to heaven. Remember we talked about that last time he got cast out of heaven. He knows he has a short time. He knows it's almost midnight on God's clock. So he vents his vengeance in these last hours on Israel and on the saints on this earth. And so what I want you to see about this, uh, about this uh, warning here is that Israel is hated. You see that in verse 12 and the beginning of verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had been given birth, uh, who had given birth to the male child. And so have you ever wondered why Israel has been and is hated so much both by the devil and the world? First of all, it was because Israel is the ones who gave us the scriptures. Uh, Romans 3 verse 2 says, Much in every way, to begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. And so God gave his word to us through the Jews. But not only did the Jews give the scriptures, the Jews also gave us the Savior. Uh, Jesus Christ. And and so the Jews gave us the word of God, but they also gave us the son of God. And those two things, uh, the the, the two things that Satan hates worse than anything else is the word of God and and the son of God. Uh, Israel is not only hated, but Israel is also hunted. Uh, And that's what you see in the last part there, verse 13. He pursued the woman. He hunted after the woman. Remember, we mentioned that last week, so I hope you don't get confused. This is not a literal woman. It's a figurative term used of Israel. Uh, It's through Israel that the birth of Christ came. And so he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, Jesus Christ. Go down to verse 15, though. And verse 15 says, The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. So when God delivered Israel from the nation of Egypt uh, and, and protected them, he described it this way in Exodus 19 and verse 4. Now remember, these won't be on the screen. Uh, these are some extra passages to give to you. Exodus 19, 4 says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. And so again, God protected them when he brought them out of Egypt. 
again, the Antichrist, the most powerful being in the history of mankind, is going to rise up in this fit of rage, seeking to devour and destroy once and for all uh, God's chosen people. But again, he'll take them away, God will, and nourish them and protect them. And so uh, verse 16 tells us that, that Israel is helped. Uh, But the earth came to, to the help of the woman, not by itself, but because of God. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. So this flood tide of Satan's anger literally, if you will, bounces off God's fortress of his protection. So when, when, when he sees, when the beast sees that he cannot harm the nation of Israel, notice what verse 17 says where he turns to. Where does he turn to? He turns to those, to her offspring, who is the believers, who are the New Testament believers, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to what the testimony of Jesus Now, when you read this, it may sound like it ends on a discouraging note, but I believe it rather ends on an encouraging note because whether a child of God lives or dies, they belong to God. To be absent in the body is to be present with Christ. And so all that matters is, is that we keep the commandments of God, that we have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that's why this matters. And that's what all the fuss is about. And even that, those issues with the SBC, uh, we, are, uh, we are to focus on the major things that we agree on, and many things are secondary issues uh, that we can uh, get along with one another and continue the work of Christ and sharing the gospel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for helping us to just get a glimpse into SBC life and, and seeing some of the things that we have made resolutions on and seeing some of the issues that have happened and come up so that we might better uh, know how to pray for our convention and for our leadership of our convention. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, you will uh, stir our hearts to be more faithful, committed followers right here in the local church, uh, to to serve you and to be faithful, to reach out and share the gospel those around us. And Father, to know that as we've even studied here in the book of Revelation, there's a warning here for us that Israel is hated and Israel is hunted and Israel is hidden, but it's not just Israel. It's us also as believers. And so, Father, I pray that even in the days in which we live in, to know that you are there to help us, to rescue us, and that you will be with us through to the very end. Lord, help us to make sure that we know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, to know that to be absent in the body is to be present with Christ. So bless us, Lord. Have your hands upon us. Lead us and guide us in the days ahead. And may you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, so glad to have you with us tonight. Hope it didn't bore you too much with all those resolutions and things that we went through there. But just wanted to share some of the things that happened there through the convention. Uh, Glad to have you tonight. Again, I won't be here this Sunday, but come back and join us online or come and join us in person. 915 for Sunday school, 1030 for worship. Uh, Brother Nathan uh, Doral will be here to preach both Sunday morning and Sunday night. I'll be back uh, via video Wednesday night, next Wednesday night. And so be ready for that. We'll be back in the book of Revelation. Actually, we won't be in the Revelation. We'll be in Matthew. 
So if you want to read ahead uh, to get ready for next Wednesdays, we'll be in Matthew 24 and 25, looking at what Jesus has to say about the last days and when that's coming. So we look forward to seeing this coming Sunday. Keep us in prayer as we go to Canada, and you have a blessed week.